0: Thank you so much for joining me here today, Robert. Really, really kind. And I have so enjoyed your book, V2. And I knew that you were writing it because you were declining all my invitations to supper <laughs> until you finished it. And then Penguin kindly sent me an early copy of it. Obviously, I'm fascinated by World War II. It was what happened then has really defined, in some ways, the world we live in today. And I much enjoyed your story which set around the V2 bombs, but what gave you the idea to write about
1: V2s? Well, I've always been quite interested in, in that aspect of the war, um, but I didn't know much about it. And there were, about four years ago, there was an obituary in the Times of a woman called Eileen Young, husband who just died at the age of 95. And she was in the Women's Air Force, the WAF, and she had been sent, one of eight women, who were sent to newly liberated Belgium, at the time when the V2s were still being fired at London from the Dutch coast, she was sent about 70 miles south with this group of women, and their job was to make uh, calculations using a slide rule, which would enable the RAF to bomb the launch sites before the Germans could get clear. They were launched from mobile. They were launched from trucks, essentially. And uh, so I thought that she sounded like a wonderful character to write about. So it started with that, really. And it's taken four years to get to the to the actual book.
0: Oh, my goodness. And so, so it's always the deadline. I was talking to Gavin earlier, and it's always about contracts and deadlines, which end up forcing the pace somewhat. But I'm sure not for you. But so, And with the V2s, I felt they resonated so much today because in some ways then it was that fear that moment of dread the complete unknown and today again we are challenged by a virus which we can't see we don't know when it's going to strike and it's the same human emotions it would seem to me of fear and dread which made me draw some parallels between then and now perhaps
1: yes well i wrote the book during lockdown or almost all of it um and it was quite odd to um to write about what the war at a time that felt almost wartime i mean this massive disruption to life uh yes and the dread and the daily mounting death toll um, and the sense, as you say, of not knowing where it would strike next, the uncertainty about the future. Some of the same lines one heard has always... war's always... People always say it will be over by Christmas, uh, and it never is. People... It's a human instinct, I think, to think that somehow the cavalry will come to our rescue, and people will... Sensible, clever people will sort it out. Um, but it doesn't always happen that way. So, you know, you have to dig in for the long haul. And... Uh, The war's always had a resonance for me, partly because of that, partly because of the thought of ordinary people having to cope with this thing that completely upends their world. Uh, And the Second World War, obviously, was much more destructive and terrifying than the virus, but nevertheless, we get an echo today of what it must have felt like.
0: I think we do, because one of the consequences of the virus is clearly the the economic catastrophe, which is facing quite a few companies as well as people. And then you compounded by the unknown of next year having left the European Union. So we are compounding our um, what lies ahead of us. And perhaps at this stage, um, we were aware of the virus earlier, perhaps of earlier bombs. And now we know sort of what might be coming. Perhaps those working in the NHS have some idea, but not exactly. And again, don't quite know when it might hit or might not hit so it was extraordinary having said that at the end i felt your book had a happier ending because the war ended <laughs> and everybody came back yes. so yeah. there
1: are happy endings
0: in hopefully then and now
1: yes i mean you know i didn't want to write you know just another kind of alistair Mac- not i knocking them incidentally but another an alistair mclean like uh, novel about the war, uh, you know, Guns of Navarone or something like that. I wanted to write a bit really about ordinary people in a way, an ordinary woman sent to, to do this very responsible job. And on the other side, because she's half a store and the other half is a, a German engineer, uh, the perversion of science, really, of technology. Uh, What they wanted the group of young men they wanted to build space rockets and indeed after the war they went on to do that But this time they found themselves building missiles to fire at London and You mentioned leaving the European Union. I was very struck by the fact that 76 years ago within living memory um, one European country was occupying another to fire ballistic missiles at the capital city of a third, which is an extraordinary thing when you think about it. Uh, yes. And another reason why I wanted to write the book, it seems to me we've taken peace rather for granted and feel we can kind of uh, you know, launch into the unknown. But these institutions grew up uh, as a direct consequence of the war. They weren't there for fun, uh, they were there for a reason. Uh, So I wanted to get that sense of this British woman and this German, you know, trading blows as it were, um, uh, at this extraordinary time, which really wasn't that long ago in human history.
0: No, it wasn't. And I think for myself, we have our History Weekend, the first day focusing on VE or VJ Day, which we sort of whispered to as we went by in this last few challenging months. And the second day this Sunday is looking at, it's just World War II and onwards. Because from the Second World War in which my grandparents took part and my, my own parents were very young in and tried to go to school in, out of that came this, it seems to me, desire and impetus to create a spirit of cooperation and collaboration. To think how can we work together? How can we not have two world wars again? we know what we've lived through, how can we stop and to create some institutions whose the point of which was to prevent it. And it seems to me now that we seem to be quite casual and cavalier with what they created. They may not be perfect and they may need change, but you don't necessarily want to throw them all out. So I felt your book resonated for me in those ways. I don't know what you feel about that.
1: Well, yes, that was certainly part of my, you know, Why does one write historical fiction? I mean, it's generally because there's something resonates with you from the past that has uh, relevance today. And the V2, this uh, extraordinary technological achievement, this rocket, which was the most sophisticated thing probably mankind had ever built in, in 1944, that could take off from the coast of Holland and strike London within five minutes, that went in 60 miles high into low space, that travelled at three and a half thousand miles an hour, and struck London at nearly three times the speed of sound. This extraordinary technological achievement, uh, the way that it was used, uh, the ingenuity of Europe turned in on itself, uh, destroying itself. Um, The creation of cooperation because uh, as Mitterrand, President Mitterrand said, nationalism means war in the end, uh, so for all its faults, um, uh, you know that was the impulse behind uh, Europe, and you know uh, I just wanted, if nothing else, to remind people that this very modern sort of weapon system um, was fired, i mean you know it was used, and they rained down on london and uh, It killed 2,700 people in London, and it damaged or destroyed 600,000 buildings. I mean, the V2 was a major contributory factor to the post-war housing shortage because it struck so hard uh, that buildings within a quarter of a mile radius would be damaged. So, you know, this is what can happen, and this happened not that long ago.
0: I was, I've read some diaries from people who were living in this house at the time. It was a home for evacuee children, but the Lord Carnarvon, the sixth Earl of the time, was also living here as well. Plus, he had some weekend guests who were usually escaping from London. Some of them were actresses, um, very pretty and glamorous, he always had an eye for the ladies, who were actually staying here. And in some of their letters, um, they talk about the fear of going on stage because they were still asked to go on stage to perform, to entertain people and their utter fear and dread of what might befall them while they were doing it or when they were sleeping at home in bed or whether they did or didn't go to a shelter and the relief of coming to Highclere for a few days rest before having to go back again. It it was an extraordinary time and one of the guests earlier in the year was General Patton, who obviously went over later on in D-Day and then was part of the extraordinary Battle of the Bulge, which we just about won. It was amazing. That part of the war, which is very much where your book is based and and the knife edge and, you know, perhaps um, a little bit longer and the V2s might have Turned against us. It is extraordinary. Turned the war against us. Perhaps it was inevitable the Allies might win at the time, but it wasn't obvious to those operators of the V 2 missiles, I don't think. No.
1: I mean, you know, looking back on it, the V 2 was never going to change the course of the war because um, it carried a one ton warhead, which was extremely, obviously, appalling. But a Lancaster bomber, a single Lancaster bomber, carried six tons of high explosives. So it was, but it was. A, a terrifying experience in London and I don't blame people for wanting to get out of there Mm -hmm. because uh, especially by, I mean the V2s hit London between September 1944 and March 1945. People had been five years by then at war, Mm -hmm. people were exhausted and they thought the Germans were defeated and suddenly these things are coming in and across London sometimes there would be as many as seven or eight missile strikes a day and um, you couldn't see the V2 coming in uh, because it travelled too fast for the naked eye to spot, but it would, um, uh, you'd hear a, a sonic boom as it broke the sound barrier and then a bang as it hit the ground and these, this, this noise reverberated across the whole of the capital, across, mm-hmm. you know, right away across London, like a kind of, which is in a sort of bowl and a kind of echo chamber. So you imagine that several times a day. and If you remember the terror of course by say a knife wielding terrorist on a bridge in london and how that permeates through london if you think of these bombs going off day after day you get some measure of how frightening it must have been for people
0: and again it's it's the it's the fear of living in in an urban situation the capitals of london new york which have been particularly bad hit by this unknown virus today as opposed to the rural communities. And again, you've got the fleeing into the countryside and the rural communities, which is what really happened here as the rural communities somehow rather kept some of the capitals going and and the point of a city and how we live in them is again, slightly up for review, isn't it?
1: Yes, I mean, I was in London for, for just went around central London, signing propositely to uh, uh, about 10 days ago. Um, and living out here, you know, we live about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from you, uh, you actually don't really feel much has changed. You know, this is a rural place, in the centre of the small towns and villages and hasn't changed. But you go to central London, You walk, I went to sign copies in Haywards Hill and then Piccadilly and Hatchards, and uh, they're deserted, there's no tourists, the trade has collapsed. The bookshops were like mausoleums. Um, it was depressing. Um, you were far more hit by the consequences of the virus physical changes to life in London. Mm -hmm. Just as in the war uh, by a large area like this, there was bombing in Newbury, but really by 1944, uh, nothing, that, that had passed. And so you were able to live a pretty normal life here, but in the capital, a huge target which the Germans could strike, for which they fired 1300 ballistic missiles at, it was a different story entirely. It was a different
0: story. But of course, V2 is one of only a, a long series of amazing books, and I, I hope, I think, I've read most of them, so I'm always looking forward to the next one as well, Robert. <laughs> but I've really enjoyed Enigma, again, set in World War Two, and but I also enjoyed Conclave, which I found fascinating and then I've also very much enjoyed um, some of your, the Cicero um, books actually from a much earlier time but with again lessons and resonances in today's world or, or Pompeii of course. Is there, is there any period you prefer writing about? Where do you think you're going to go next? Well I
1: like to go anywhere where I think there's something interesting. I mean whether it be the present or the future or the past it's a story, a character that something interesting is likely to happen to them Um, I enjoy the sheer pleasure of telling a story really like a speech or telling a joke
0: and of course I read The Second Sleep which was I think the one book written wrote before this yes. one which again I really enjoyed A World Without Mobile Phones said yes. 800 years this. ago Yes. but I think it's been picked up because I read it in the papers or the Daily Mail so it must be true by Gareth Neame yes. who's possibly turned it into a series and Gareth Neim and his team are the ones behind Downton Abbey so it's a wonderful I, I very much hope that yes. is turned into a TV series or is it a film Where, Well no it's going? Carnival
1: Productions and they want to do- a TV series although I fear it won't be as successful as Downton Abbey
0: (laughs) 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 well I I hope that it's enjoyed by many people Downton Abbey has been an extraordinary costume drama and I think little did we all think in the first series when we were very relaxed and kind of joking around that it would we'd still be talking about it ten yes. years later but but I did enjoy The Second Sleep which goes back I think it's 800 years ago yeah. isn't it no it's no, 800 going years in the future but it feels like the past 800 yes. years in the past yeah. so which I very much enjoyed and they found these funny things called mobile phones which I also think sometimes are funny things as well um, very different story and this was of course a abbey with monks living in so I I very much enjoyed the characters that you drew out in that but Robert, I know you've got many other talks to give and places to go, but thank you so much for coming here to talk today. Always
1: a pleasure, Fiona. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thank you very much. I hope you're enjoying my podcast as much as I'm enjoying making them. Do let your friends and family know about them. Subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, please leave a review. Thank you.